We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing? Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. IB Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. How's your New Year going so far, Vince? Well, it's the year of the uh, it's the year of IB so far. I got a bunch of shows working on today, which is awesome. <laughs> Two with Brian. It's the day of you. Vince on IB. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, no, New Year's going so, you know, we're what, a day and a half in so far. No complaints up to this point. How about you? How was your New Year's? Not bad. Kind of a, you know, chilled weekend. You know, we had yeah. Friday, Gator Bowl, and then Saturday was kind of a, you know, New Year's Eve, do whatever kind of thing. I had a noon basketball game yesterday. Right, right. And then, kind of, you know, so didn't do anything crazy Saturday night, getting up, you know, for that on Sunday. And then kind of came back, vegged out, watched yeah. a little NFL yesterday and i had forgotten that there were going to be so many bowl games on today with the whole you know new year's falling on sunday which obviously is the nfl day college football is not going to do that and i was thinking about this when i was watching the cotton bowl which we'll touch on here in a second since you know there's a lot of schadenfreude going on out there with with (laughs) notre dame fans and, and usc but why didn't they play the two semifinals today and put yeah. some of these other bowl games Sunday? It seems kind of anticlimactic to to have these other games going on today after the semifinals Saturday night. I could not agree with you more, uh, if I'm being honest, because you know it was great to have those games a couple days ago. I mean, it was fine, but if you if you trans you know ported and switched them right, and you had the two semifinal games today. You had these games on the 31st. I think I like that better. I mean, and it is anticlimactic. That's the exact word I was thinking of before while you while you were talking about it. Because these games are they're still big games, right? I mean, it's still the Sugar yeah. Bowl and it's the Rose Bowl and you know, all of these different whatever bowl LSU and Purdue were in. I don't even remember which one that one was, but you have all those games on the 31st. That makes- I believe that was the Cheese It Citrus Bowl, by the way. You had the Cheese It Bowl and the Cheese It Citrus Bowl, which I Cheese It needs to pick one. They need to pick one and they need to go with it. Uh, but that's here and there, I guess. But <laughs> I I would have liked to see it reversed, if I'm being honest. I think that would have been better because everybody they're not tuned out of college football, but you know, 
the big games were before. Well, and this is there's been conversation about this. This is year like what eight, I think, of the college football playoff. Is it really? And they the first couple years they were playing the semifinals on New Year's Eve, and they found out, hey, people have other things going on on New Year's Eve. They don't want to watch two of the biggest football games of the year right. on New Year's Eve. And yet, and so they they moved it off it this. Again, this year, I was about to say they had no choice, but they do. You know, they did. It should be today. If today is taking place of New Year's Day, they should be today with a couple, you know, like you could have the Rose Bowl as, well, I guess you couldn't have the Rose Bowl as a precursor because they've got their whole thing, you know, with sunset and all that. But they could have the Rose Bowl on Saturday. You could have, you know, kind of started off the day with the Cotton Bowl today, like they started the other day with the Sugar Bowl. You could have the Sugar Bowl later in the day and had your two semifinals tonight. But I guess you're also going up against Monday Night Football, and ESPN has Monday Night Football. So as we talk through this, maybe, you know, Monday Night Football probably played some factor in this whole thing as well. I guess. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure they got big numbers and all of those different things, but... I, I will say I enjoyed very much the the games on the 31st. Like I just vegged out the whole time and watched football all day long. I mean, yeah. I never got out of my lounge clothes. Like it was a great day. It's a great day. Yep. Touche, David. Touche. One is cheese it, two or more is cheese them. And <laughs> right. Because remember, one cheese it cracker is a cheese it, two or more right. is a cheese it cracker, not cheese it's according to the official yes cheese it record so I, I sent you a picture of my cheese it that i was eating one at a time <laughs> yeah. while watching college football on uh on friday one yep. cheese it one at a time hit that like button if you would subscribe rate and review we've got all kinds of notre dame football we're going to talk about how about that cotton bowl though did you see you you caught the tail end of it i caught it I when it was still it was awesome Man, to see USC get stuffed for that safety in the end zone, the nose guard just blew up the running back. Apparently, I just missed like the good parts of the Cotton Bowl because I had it on during the show when Brian and I were talking and doing our thing. I had it on. I was watching. It was a competitive game. But then when USC goes up two scores, it's like, ah, you know, it was good job, Tulane, way to keep up the fight. You know, that kind of a thing. That's what I thought, too. I I put Notre Dame back in. And I start watching that, getting ready for tonight's show, and then I and then I get all these texts from people. Hey, are you watching the game? What's going on? That was a catch. That was, you know, all these different things. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And then I turn it on to watch USC go two plays, and you know, at the very end of the game when it didn't matter anymore. Like yeah. I missed all the excitement. Leave it to an official standing five yards from what turns out to be the game-winning touchdown to miss the call on the field. He said the ball was on the ground. They went to replay. It was an easy replay. Kevin Bauman, the Notre Dame injured tight end, his brother Alex caught the game-winning touchdown for Tulane. I was wondering about that because I saw Bauman, and I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't transfer, so is there a relation? Like, how does this work? (laughs) There it is. Thank you. There it is. Because obviously you had Lawrence Keyes III. Yeah. was there. And I had forgotten that he was there, and it was kind of interesting that – he was playing against USC, considering he quit right after the USC game a few years ago. That so is true. Got to play USC. And he got again. to beat him. So right. good for him. That's awesome. Got to beat him this time. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Tell you what, that Michael Pratt, Tulane quarterback, he's just like, he's like the typical gamer kind of quarterback, the kind of guy you want on the team. You know, he's not like the speedster like Caleb Williams, but he was making plays with his legs. He kept taking hits and he kept getting up. They converted a couple fourth downs on that game winning touchdown drive. And it was just like, you and I were just talking about this before we went on. This is really the biggest takeaway because Tulane ends up scoring 46 points on USC you know, burying the lead here. How did Notre Dame not score more points against that USC defense, man? Because they could not stop anything today. I don't know. And it <laughs> makes it even more frustrating. Like it was a day of like handing out awards on our other show. And, and then you just think to yourself, well, the what ifs, right? If Notre Dame could have gotten their offense to, offensive act together, right? No matter what Caleb Williams did, if Notre Dame could have had an offensive explosion like, I don't know, everyone else does apparently against USC's defense, then Notre Dame's playing in that game right there. Instead of USC, it's Notre Dame playing in that game, yeah. number one, against Tulane. Now, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. But, I mean, it's just we're having a completely different conversation right now. I think now. Notre Dame's defense could have limited it. You know, because, there, again, there, like, there were times like USC goes down, scores their touchdown, and the next thing you know – Here's the Tulane running back ripping off a 60-yard run. Or, you know, here's here's a little yeah. slant that turns into a 70-yard pass play for Tulane. It's just 
it was it was nuts. It was a lot and, of fun to watch, though. You well, know, yeah, and and good on way top to of spend that, Monday, I'll tell you that. And on top of that, you know, you just watched Notre Dame put up five hundred and whatever yards, five hundred fifty-eight yards or whatever it was, thirty-eight right. fifty-eight, and you're like, hmm, they can do that to an SEC defense. Be really nice if they could have done that to uh, an average at best Pac-12 defense. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, if only, if only. Yep. Oh yep. well, it is what it is. Well, how about that Gator Bowl, though? Uh, you yeah. know that, that turned out to be pretty fun to watch too. I know you talked. You know, you guys had the post game show, and you had a million people watching Friday <laughs> night on the post game show. Forty five thirty eight. Did in your eyes, did Notre Dame prove anything? in in the win over South Carolina? It was more, I mean, yes. The answer, the short answer is yes. Now, what did they prove, okay? They proved to me that they're not the same team that they were a year ago in the Fiesta Bowl where they had a big lead and blew it, right? They were down by a bunch and had the fortitude, the never-say-die attitude to come back and win the game, which I don't know that that happens last year. You know what I mean? And we, and we, I, obviously we have, the prime example of the Fiesta Bowl to look at in that regard. And now it was a New Year's Six Bowl, so the it was a little bit different. But at the same time, you're down two scores. They were up three scores before, and they were able to come back, right? So, I mean, I think we learned something not only about this coaching staff, but about this team in general. I think in the past, there's some kids, I won't say they're going to quit, but I don't know that this team comes back. Well, you know what? You know, when you talk about opt-outs and all those different things and you've got a, a different quarterback than you've had most of the season, there's every reason to hang your head. And, you know, like bowl games, you just never know what you're going to get anyway. And yep. guys fly in from home and, you know, end up down at the bowl game. And, and you know, then they fly out. They get to go home for a little bit afterwards. I mean, there's every reason for guys to be emotionally checked out in what is referred to as a tier three bowl game, you know, because yeah. you've got your playoffs as tier one, you've got new year's six as tier two. And then these games after that, it's a tier three bowl game, you know, so sure. it's not, doesn't have near the impact. It's not as high profile, even as the Fiesta bowl last year. And so the fact that they could have the resolve to get down the way they did early on and the way it happened, when you're talking about, two momentum changing plays like a fake kick that goes for a touchdown and a pick six that obviously goes for a touchdown. There's every reason for everybody to check out. It's 21 to seven almost oh. before you blink an eye. There's you plenty know? of fans and, to and check the fact out that they that showed the resolve to keep plugging away. I, I think that showed a lot for the whole program. I completely agree. I mean, like I said, a lot of fans checked out at that point. I was getting a lot of text messages and I was literally texting people, relax, breathe. It's the first quarter. Like, it's going to be okay. Just everybody take a breath. There's three quarters of football left to play. Now, yeah. I don't think I would have predicted over 500 yards of offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you can't throw the towel in the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, you just, you, you got to kind of let things marinate and you got to let the game kind of come to you for a cliche. But the way that South Carolina was playing in that game, it wasn't sustainable in my opinion, right? I mean, trick plays, reverses, you know, bringing in a wildcat quarterback, you know, they were literally pulling out all the stops to score and to stay competitive with Notre Dame. That's not sustainable for an entire game. 
And we were, you know, you and Jesse and I were kind of in a little group text about that. And and you kind of said that, but it's like, man, you know, just like they were, they were out there kind of attacking the perimeter sort of the way Clemson wanted to do, like, like Clemson kept trying to do in the Notre Dame game, but Notre Dame just swarmed Clemson. South Carolina was able to make plays out of it early on. And it's just, it's concerning, but again, and Brian was one of the first to point this out. I hadn't really thought about it. The fact that a year ago in the Fiesta Bowl, you're up 28 to seven and you end up losing that game. And then a year later, end of Marcus Freeman's first season, you're down 21 to seven and you come back to win. There's definitely, oh yeah, you know, like some karma, some symmetry, whatever you want to call it in there. The fact that you can close it out like that. So, you know, again, I've never been one to buy in big time on the whole idea of winning your bowl, gets you off-season momentum, you know, carries momentum into the off-season and that kind of stuff. But I think at the very least, um, we saw some really good signs, you know, like, again, because we, what did we learn from this whole thing? We saw really good signs as it, as it pertains specifically to Marcus Freeman and where he has this program and the mentality of this program. So, you know, whether that carries into the offseason or not, right. I think it's very important to see that in a game that, again, is not, you know, it's, you know, like somebody said, well, you know, Gator Bowl is still one of your more high pro profile games. Trust me, I was with Notre Dame administration type people last week in Miami. This is, it's referred to as a tier three bowl game, you know, and that's how a lot of people looked at it the players didn't seem to have that attitude you know like they were tier three you know that kind of thing no yeah which is which is fantastic I mean the reality of the situation is the last time Notre Dame won a bowl game was 2019 right I mean right that was they they needed to I mean at the very least they needed to go out and win this game right the manner in which they won it also makes me feel better moving forward you know with with everything that's involved right and we can we can break down that game as much as we want. And I know we're going to talk about it, but it, well, the way the way they won is great. But the fact that they won, because remember, we talked about that, right? What's what's the best thing that can come out of this game? A victory. That's tier one, a victory, right? And then you look at the tier two objectives, you know, Tyler Buckner and how he played, the defense, how they play, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever the case may be. But the tier one thing was always win the game. And they were able to do that. Yeah. What you were talking about, and I did have some internet connection. <laughs> issue here but i'm back obviously yeah now. you're great now is is better but quarter by quarter the offense for south carolina that's what we were talking about when i kind of cut there a little yeah. bit first quarter they had 154 yards mm-hmm. second quarter 98 yards third quarter 68 and then fourth quarter less than half of that 32 it got yes decidedly less each quarter because of what you were talking about the you know the the trick stop pulling out all the stops like going off script from from what al golden saw during the season kind of you know again sort of reminiscent to what tommy reese did last year in the fiesta bowl they showed a lot of different things you know they were they were down some personnel because of opt-outs and transfers and all that kind of stuff which we talked about going into the game so they tried some things early on they had some success with it it was not sustainable al golden made great adjustments defensively yeah. throughout the course of the game with that yes. defense. And, I, and yeah. guys were, you know, and Notre Dame was down some guys defensively, obviously, too. They, they ended up without Benjamin Morrison for half the game. 
Well, as I as I mentioned, I don't know if did you watch the obviously based on what we're going to talk about later on. I assume you watched the post game comp uh, post game comments of Shane Beamer. I mean, yes. if, you, if you just go off of that and you didn't watch the game, you'd have thought that he found 25 guys in the parking lot and suited them up, <laughs> uh, ba- you know, based on that. But and it was a re- very, very Josh <laughs> Pastner, you know, I mean, Georgia Tech basketball, like, I'm coaching them all up, you know, I'm, <laughs> I've done everything I could to get these guys ready oh, to go. And, you know, I was hilarious. doing everything but go down to the student union to pluck out some guys from, <laughs> right. the, you know, JV team or whatever. I mean, yeah, and come look, on, man. He did a good job of coaching them up and coming up with creative ways to get the kids inspired and all of that. I give him credit. I think he's a good coach. But I do too. But Notre Dame was missing a ton of dudes too. A ton yeah. of a ton of guys that are extremely important to what they want to do both offensively and defensively. They were missing them, right? And so, but that of course never gets talked about and you never heard Marcus Freeman talking about all the guys that they were missing. And I do, I respect Marcus Freeman for that. I really do because he never once brought that up, not during bowl prep, not in the post game. And that's what I like about respect the most about a couple, you know, there's a lot of things to respect about Marcus Freeman. It's, it's non excuses, non BS, you know, and, and the fact obviously that, that no matter what happens, he's not going to throw the players under the bus. And that's important. Like when it comes to long-term trust, you know, that was, that was obviously an issue with the last guy who oh, yeah. you know got to take a cheese it bath and eat some cheese its today. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I wish I could have seen that. But, but yeah, Would I you mean, put was... cheese its in uh, mayo. That's the ooh. question. <laughs> Yikes! It's a heart yeah. attack waiting to happen right there. Yeah, exactly. Well, what about Tyler Buckner? What did we find out about that guy? So I mean, <laughs> you remember me joking around, and it was on this show. Somebody was talking about Buckner in the chat. I was like, look, he's not going to go out there and be responsible for five touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground. Like, that's never going to happen. Everybody just needs to relax. Remember, do you remember that? Yes. Well, he was responsible for five offensive touchdowns. It was just three through the air and two on the ground. Yeah. And, yes, he made a, he made a, a boneheaded mistake with the little flip interception. He was trying to make a play. He made a boneheaded mistake, even though you can – you can argue about the call on the, you know, the, the the pass down there on the goal line where he threw the pick six. You can't throw that ball. I mean, he made some boneheaded plays. There's no doubt about it. But you also saw some great things. And the reason why Notre Dame sees what they see in him and why they recruited him in the first place, you saw a lot of that. So, you know, did we learn something about Tyler Buckner? Dude, dude, it, he is, he doesn't give up. He's and got he's a short memory too. Yeah, Man. that's exactly right. And, and like they were not, they were not putting bubble wrap on him. They were not no. handling Tyler Buckner with kid gloves out there. They put a lot of responsibilities on his shoulder. And, and when they decided they were going to do that quarterback sneak early on, and they push <laughs> it right up the middle, it's like they're not afraid of him taking contact. Nope. And you know. He was willing to stand in the pocket and take some hits as well. That's what I, one of the things that impressed me the most about him, because, you know, like you can talk about, you know, the pick six is like, you know, are giving up two pick sixes good? Of course they're, they're not good. You know, ask the kid up at Michigan if giving up a couple of pick sixes are good. Oh, it's a fun with that one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you're absolutely right. Like, 
this is why they had the confidence in him coming into the season. And even missing nearly 16 weeks and all those games from games one and two to where they are now, one, the defense looked a lot different. Two, you know, not the defense, the the uh, the offense looked a lot different. The offensive line, I was a little bit concerned about the offensive line early on. Like, you know, there was some pressure on Tyler Buckner. This was like, not, where's this coming from? This yeah. was not the offensive line's best game by any stretch no. of the imagination. No. I, I would uh, ask everybody to tune in at 8 o'clock when we do some upon further review, when we look at the film and everything. This was not Notre Dame's best effort on the offensive line, particularly in the first half, right? So, yes, you are absolutely correct. He... There was a shot when when he there was a shot on the sideline at one point. I think it was in the second half. The back of Tyler Buckner's jersey was green. And they weren't wearing the green jerseys, okay? Like there were grass stains on the back of his jersey because he was taking some hits. Yeah. And hanging in there, man. That that pass that he had in the first quarter on third down to Jaden Thomas. Uh wow. Like literally drops the arm angle. He's getting hit and he puts the ball exactly where it needs to be on third. Like, and that's like seeing those different arm angles, you know, it like, it looks cool for one thing, but, but that's, that's a sign of athleticism. The fact that without thinking he can just drop that arm angle and he's zipping it the way he's zipping it in there. And like the deep shot to Lindsay, you know, he's, he's taking a hit. He he's throwing off his back foot and he puts it right in the spot where it needs to be. He led him downfield. And like, you know, I, I've got this. I'll just go ahead and throw it in there right now because one of Drew Pine's old, you know, <laughs> personal quarterback coaches Great. tweets at some point during the first quarter, you miss Drew yet? Um, no. I mean. Not at all. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Not at all. No. Because. because no. Because again, like despite the mistake, you know, like were any of the, you know, like the biggest mistake that that Tyler Buckner made in the first quarter was the pick six. Okay, well, what happened on the pick six? He threw into the line and it got batted, and then right. it goes into the hands of a defensive back and it goes back the other way. We saw Drew Pine, you know, like Drew Pine. You could make a highlight reel, you know, like. Yes. Of, of Drew Pine throwing into the line of scrimmage. So, you know, if you're going to take a shot at this kid, why don't you look at your own kid that that you were personally coaching up? You know, did, where exactly did you coach that kid? I'm sorry. Right. No. And that, that's Tyler did tweet. so many things that Drew Pine couldn't do. Never. And, like, and again, like the leading and the throwing of the ball downfield to Braden Lindsay. We're going to talk about Braden Lindsay later on, but like, was like a highlight reel for the season for Braden Lindsay well, out there and Tyler Buckner was one of the big reasons for it and he threw that off his back foot like that was not he wasn't like a set throw where he was able to step up in the pocket or any of that like he had to throw that off of his back foot and still threw Braden Lindsay open on that play okay Braden Lindsay had three or four of those every single game the ball just never went his way okay one game with Tyler Buckner, and all of a sudden he's getting deep shots to Braden Lindsay. He's getting slants over the middle to Braden Lindsay, right? Like it, it's it's a different offense when Tyler Buckner is behind center. Period. End of discussion. And it's such a yeah. that was such a petty tweet by this guy yeah. to do that because it, who it is? I it, I didn't write it down. I saw it, it retweeted, but 
I didn't say his name on purpose because I don't feel like it's worth mentioning someone's right. name it's like just, this because he was obviously looking for attention to begin with. And that's the yeah. thing. And it's like, I don't have any ill will towards Drew Pine. He did exactly what he was asked to do as the backup quarterback. You know what I mean? I don't have any will ill will towards Drew Pine. He had a big hand in saving what could have been a really, really bad season. Yeah. So do I miss him being a part of the roster? Absolutely. Look, I had a lot of respect for the kid Absolutely. right up until well, you know th- they had that. the meeting with him, and he and he just up and bolted right. from the team. Yes, so it's Absolutely. basically then, changed how I feel about him forever. You know, and, so. and I get that. I totally get that. I, I, you know, from a football standpoint, I would love for him to be a part of the roster. I get, you know, that's how I feel. I don't like the way he handled the situation any more than you do. That that's a fact. Yeah, but to to tweet that out is super duper petty. And I just, it's not, it's just, it's not mature in any way. Right. Come on, man. Like you're an adult, you're a grown man. Nobody misses him because (laughs) he was the backup quarterback and always was going to be as long as Tyler Buckner was going to be healthy and on the roster. You did, you did an admirable job of leading the team to an eight and two record while the starting quarterback was out. Right. The starting quarterback came back and we saw, we saw the reason why now again, like, were any of the the actual mistakes that Tyler Buckner made, you know, any worse than some of the things that we saw Drew Pine do during the season? Again, my answer is no. Now we can talk about the pick six in the end zone because again, the first one deflected at the line. Sure. That very that just as easily could have been Drew Pine and had that ball deflected, and the exact same thing sure. happens. Because again, Drew, how many times do we see Drew Pine throw the ball into the line of scrimmage? But you know. I think I think most people's biggest problem with the second pick six is just the fact that you had just rammed the ball down their throat yes. six consecutive plays, right. and they were they were all but ready to yell no mas no mas, <laughs> and you you hand them yeah you, you give, give them a ticket right back into the game as it Absolutely. as it goes the other way. There was no reason because again you know like even if you hand it off two more times. And then maybe you decide to go for it on fourth down if it came to that. You're, you know, you could have burned up another minute or so on the clock. At the very least, like running a couple more times is just going to keep the clock running. Sure. And you're going to have a two possession lead if you push yeah. it into the end zone. Throwing the ball there was just that that was the most baffling part. Does you know Buckner needs to make a better decision, but just the decision to run the ball at that point to me is more baffling. In the moment, watching the game. I was like, what are they doing? Like when he struck, when he dropped back, I was like, what, what is happening? Why, why are they, why? And of course, then he throws the pick and it goes the other way. And it's like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. They were gashing like, cause you're absolutely right. No Moss was, <laughs> was absolutely the rallying cry for South Carolina at that point. A la like USC in the second half of the beatdown they took at Notre Dame a few years ago. Right. Like, when when Quentin Nelson was just pancaking dudes left and right, it was it was we're good, we we give up, like this is it, we're done, and they just handed them the game back, and yeah. it was super frustrating, super frustrating. The only thing that like I never felt, even though he took it back to tie the game and all that, like I never felt Notre Dame was going to lose the game at that point because of the way that that drive transpired. And what they were able to do during that drive, like I, I had a lot of confidence that they were going to be able to pick up right where they left off and drive right back down the field again. 
but I didn't want it to be in that scenario. You know what I mean? Like I did not right. want that to be the case and yet it was. So that was frustrating. No doubt about that. Yes. Um, here's my question to you though. Okay. So everyone, you know, we're all completely willing to criticize the decision to, to, to call a pass play in that situation, which Marcus Freeman came back afterwards. He said there was a specific look they were looking for. Sure. They shouldn't have thrown it. Shouldn't have called it. Okay. You know, make hope of whatever. It's <laughs> a lot easier after you win, you know, to be able to come back and say that. For sure. Here's my question though, because we're going to criticize the decision to pass into the end zone on the pick six. Then the next time they get down there into the red zone, you know, like, what do we make of that decision just because it worked out on the touchdown pass to Mitchell Evans? You know, are we just good with it because it worked or, you know, there, yeah. what do you think? No, I, I, when I first read your question, I was like, damn, that's a really good point. Um, <laughs> here's the difference for me though. And there is a, there is a slight difference. The difference for me is the pick six was on first and goal from the seven yard line. Right. You, you didn't need to the throw that was on third down. Yeah, correct. That's the biggest difference. And it was from the 16 yard line. Right. So your third and seven from the 16 or your first and goal from the seven. So it's a little bit of a different scenario. So I don't have a problem with them throwing the ball on third and seven because of the situation. Right. And it was a beautiful play design. Oh, my like, goodness. It was gracious. so much better. 100%. It was such a so much yeah. like if they had run that play on on the first one they might have got you know because they did very that and it's still the thing that frustrates me with their ability to run the ball the way they did like they do so little play action on right. first down after you've run the ball so often on first down and I don't sure. I don't know why especially with the mobile quarterback like Buckner mixed in there but the play action you know a little slight you know roll to the right and then the throwback to a wide open Mitchell Evans. I mean, it was beautiful play design. If if the first one had, had actually had some some you know sure. different thinking behind it. Although I will say this, I don't know if you went back and watched the pick six yet since you were watching. You know, yeah, I've gotten back the first and half. <laughs> I noticed this on my rewatch. Logan Diggs was held on the pick six. He was of course he was in the slot to the right, and okay. the defensive back just basically reaches his arm out. And you know, Prevents wraps him, him up and then lets him go. And of course, there was you know right. no flag, but it's you know right in there. He would have been running right in front of Tyler Buckner. So you know, I don't know if that was like the first option, like go to Diggs on the slant or what. Right. But I mean, but you still. just you can't throw the ball there. Like you exactly. can't. You you have to make a better decision. At the very least, it's first and seven. Put it in the stands. Like right. throw it out of bounds. I mean, there's a million of, because I almost guarantee you. If he puts that into the stands or it's incomplete or whatever, guess what they're going to do on the next two plays? Run the ball. They're going to run the ball. Like that was their chance to catch South Carolina off guard, you know, by throwing the ball on first down. Okay, I guess. But then they're going to go back to what's working. You know, they're going to run the ball on second and third down if they don't get into the end zone. So, you know, Tyler needs to throw that away. And that's where the inexperience comes in. I mean, plain and simple. It's his third start of his career. And I heard this stat today. It's the first win as a starting quarterback that he's had since his junior year in high school in 2019. Yeah. So yeah. he's got a ton of inexperience. That's an inexperienced throw. In a bowl game after missing the entire season. But, you know, I thought he I thought he showed 
like an, and he talked about beforehand being in the in the coach's box all season and you know just video you know watching game film and stuff like that obviously he seemed to have not not that he was like panicked or you know happy feet or any of those kind of things the first couple of games but he definitely seemed more poised and Great. more confident in what he was seeing from yes. the defense this that I agree year. with wholeheartedly he never looked out of place as the starting quarterback at Notre yeah. Dame and the 500 plus yards of offense tells you that now they had 200 yards on the ground I totally get that but here's the reality folks he he out threw out dueled if you will the the great Spencer Rattler he had more passing yards than Spencer Rattler did yeah I mean at the end of the day there's not if you would have told me that that Tyler Buckner was gonna have more passing yards than Spencer Rattler I told you you were probably crazy yes. because that they they're a very one dimensional offense is South Carolina especially with their leading running back out you know I told you you were crazy and look his 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 percentage wasn't great he still needs to hit some of those layups there's a lot of things that Tyler Buckner needs to clean up in his game still had two over 275 yards in the air and another 60 plus or something on the ground he was responsible for five touchdowns so we learned a lot about Tyler Buckner I think he gets the first jab in in the quarterback race for who's going to be the starting quarterback he yes. got the first jab. Now there's going to be plenty of counter punches and all those different things. He gets the first one. We'll see what happens. Let the best man win. I I said this in the earlier show, man. I do not have a dog in the fight, whether it's Sam Hartman, whether it's a different transfer. I don't care who it is. Whoever wins this battle, if it's a legit battle, which I think it will be, whoever wins this battle is going to be in a great position to lead this team to a lot of wins next year. Mike says that he doesn't think Notre Dame needs a transfer quarterback after the bowl game. And the focus should be on defensive transfers. What do you think about that? I, who, who do we need on the defense? Maybe one defensive lineman. Other than that, who else do you need? Defensive lineman. There's talk about a safety eh, potentially. I don't think that's necessary. I don't think there's anybody out there that wows me more than what they've got on the roster right now. Yeah. And yes, you do. You need a, you at the very least, you need a body in the quarterback room because you, you and, and I, I think and, another wide receiver actually that'd be fine they're bringing in a bunch of wide receivers defense. obviously no, you know, I know but let's remember there's still freshman receivers and as that. much talent as Tobias what Merriweather has we still barely saw him this year and what happened everyone well, was that was hammering part, that, a lot right of that was for, due to injury well halfway through the season he was Almost I'm trying started. to think of how many games that would a little bit more than halfway. We were we're still in the like seven eight games range that he hadn't kind of taken that step and and found his way on the field. Now he would have the last three games or so if not for, for sure. the concussion, you know. But that's still you know again that's like eight nine games. So you're more than right. You know, basically three they quarters in of, one around three quarters of the season. Something they already like brought in one receiver, right? You and so that's basically a trade off for Braden Lindsey. You got Colsey back. Yep. You got Jaden Thomas back. You got Jaden Thomas. You Both Lorenzo Styles. Yeah. You, know, you got Merriweather. And then the transfer. That's five. I mean, how many? And then they're I bringing they, in three or four freshmen. True. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But I guess the question is, do you want one more guy with some experience? Because you are losing. You know, like you said, that the the Virginia Tech guy, Bailey, basically replaces Lindsey. But I think... I wouldn't mind having one more guy eh, with some experience. I'm good. I don't want any more. I really don't because you're talking about now Jaden Thomas could very easily be a number one or a number two receiver at this point. Like I think his game has matured to that point already. Now anybody that's going to say Lorenzo Styles had a good season is nuts. Like that has, that did not happen. Now right. he still has the ability to be a really good receiver. This was one heck of a sophomore slump. He's going to have to do a lot in the off season to convince me. Otherwise he ended up, he made a nice progression. He was the top wide receiver, you know, leading wide receiver in the room but obviously with the drops that he had now again how much difference would a quarterback you know a different quarterback make for a guy like Lorenzo right. Styles? absolutely I I don't disagree with that at all and uh, I I think that that is a I don't think they had the right quarterback under center to really bring these receivers along either yeah they just they, they, he needed he needed receivers to make plays for him you know, not the other way around. You know what I mean? And, and maybe Tyler Buckner would have been similar, but I think we at least well, got a vision of what Tyler Buckner can be in the passing game. I mean, he's stretching the field, you know, he's completing third downs. Like he's doing some things and going through progressions. Unlike Drew. Here's the other thing. Okay. You're, if you're, because the question, you know, the, the, the comment was, he doesn't think that, that they need to bring in a transfer quarterback. I think we can all agree that if they had, like someone of Sam Hartman or whoever's, you know, a Jack Cone. We 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 said before if they had Jack Cone, they're you know they're they're probably battling to be in the playoff at the yeah. end of the season if they had Jack Cone instead of Drew Pine this season. So then next year, you bring in a a guy with experience, and you've got Tyler Buckner who has at least a little bit of game experience. Now he showed sure. that he can win. I mean, what this season showed was. You need two quarterbacks, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, hundred percent. So, so whether it's Tyler Buckner as the starter, you still don't know what Steve Angeli can do. I, I think there's no reason not to bring in a quarter. You know, you need four. You need four, in my opinion, right? Four I, quarterbacks. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sorry to all the RP three lovers out there. Ron Paulus the third is not one of those four. Okay. But you need a quarterback in every class, in my opinion. You need four guys, and you need two guys that you trust to run the offense. I mean, yeah. you're one and you're two, you should be able to trust, right? So right now, if they don't get a transfer, you're going to have Tyler Buckner, Steve Angeli, and Kenny Minchie 
Those are going to be three, right? You need a fourth, in my opinion. That's where the transfer comes in. So, and if you're going to go out and get a transfer, at least bring somebody in who's going to compete for the job. And I was going to say, you want someone who's going to give you true competition. Absolutely. That's because it's just going to make the other guy better. And then, you know, what happens after that? We don't know. Right. Absolutely. So, yes, I think they do need to bring somebody in way more important than any other position that's out there as far as bringing in a transfer. And then, you know, Zach asked this. I was going to save it, but we'll go ahead and throw it in here. Do you think Buckner transfers when they when they give Hartman the starting job is what he says? (laughs) First of all, that's awfully presumptuous. Second (laughs) of all, is it possible? Sure. I mean, it's possible. Brian brought up a very interesting scenario last show. Let's say Hartman does win the job. Tyler Buckner gets another year of development underneath. Maybe he's got a package, you know, that kind of a thing. He still has two years of eligibility left after that. He could take over and still play for two more years. And then you hand it off to either Minchie or Carr. I mean, there's still a, a nice succession plan of quarterbacks in there if Tyler Buckner sticks around. Who's to say the grass is greener in another pasture if Tyler Buckner leaves, you know what I mean? After if, if, if he happens to get beat out by Hartman, I still want him around. I, I don't think that he would transfer, but he's going to have three years of eligibility left just like Drew Pine. So he could very well transfer. I hope he doesn't because I think there's still opportunities here at Notre Dame to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't think that he will either just because, you know, again, like he found out just like Drew Pine found out that they were going to go, to the transfer portal and still here here he is and i just it's it's not what i he doesn't seem like he would be that kind of guy um yeah right so i don't i don't think so but the other side of that is and we've talked about this before vince once you start getting the numbers at quarterback like you're talking about a transfer at some point is going to be inevitable they're not all going to stay around because there can be only one and then you just have to keep you know going out and recruiting well at that position just like we've talked about you've got to keep your recruiting at that quarterback position as high as possible get those guys in there highly talented guys competing for the job every year someone's going to win the job again there's always a chance that someone's going to get hurt so that get gives somebody else look at look at tcu they started sunday uh dykes started the season with a different quarterback they had demoted duggan yeah. and then that guy got hurt duggan took it back over and here they are playing for yeah. a national championship now. absolutely yep no question and i and again i it, it sounds like i'm you know mr tyler buckner and i want him to be the starter and all that i don't i want i am in the notre dame wins a national championship bandwagon that's where i am and at the end of the day who best let the best man win because there's going to be a ton of talent around them, right? No matter who they plug in offense on the offensive line at guard, they're going to have a stacked backfield. The wide receivers are only going to get better. They're going to have a defense with all kinds of pieces to it. This is going to be a team that is going to be reckoned with regardless of who the quarterback is. And if there's a legit competition from what we saw from Tyler Buckner, and what we've seen from whoever the transfer quarterback is, there's going to be a, a, a legitimate competition. So whoever wins that competition, let's go. Yeah. Roll on. Let's let's hit this thing. You know, I mean, 
Either way, 23 is going to be a very, very exciting season. I concur. I concur. I think there's a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah. Next year, you're bringing no back. Doubt. You're bringing back a ton of guys offensively. Yes. You're bringing back a ton of. Basically, you know, you're bringing the I whole think, offense essentially, except for your two guards. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Exactly. Everybody and, just, and, and Brayden Lindsay. You're losing Lindsay, but you're replacing him. Right. You know, with a guy you know who's got a lot of experience himself. Eight true sophomores started on offense on Friday. Eight. So the future is bright, people. And those eight sophomores put up a heck of a lot of yards and points. Yeah, absolutely. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.